Welcome into the JB Podcast. I'm Bobby Line. Alongside me is Jackson Schroeder, and we have a brand new episode coming to you live. Yeah, we we came from the outhouse to the penthouse, right? There it is, baby. <laughs> Let's roll this. Yeah. Got the drop top hummer for the summer, yeah Go yard back with a honey, yeah And I know why you mad, cause I'm stunting, yeah Say I know the JMB Podcast, I'm Bobby Line Again, alongside me is Jackson Schroeder That intro was done a week and a half ago by Nate Sexier Say Sex Hour, excuse me He is our <laughs> camera guy <laughs> He's our great guy behind the scenes We have unbelievable crew behind us as well right now uh, We're gonna dive right into this We've got a Full show ahead of us. We got Max McDoolin coming up with college basketball. After that, Shane Dazen and Ethan Graham along me for NHL. And then Matt Harrington, King Mateo coming up for NBA to close the Big show man. off. So before we get started here, I got to go over a couple of housekeeping. Uh, we just launched the website right now, Thursday at like 9.15. Uh, it's seatatthetea.com. Right now we're going to edit this right here. It's going to be right here, seatatthetea.com. T is singular letter. Yeah, just one T. Um, logo right behind us. Awesome right here. Kinko's printed this out. Did a great job. Uh, website, again, dropped. And apparel is coming tomorrow. We got T-shirts and koozies. Hopefully after spring break we're going to have uh, coffee mugs, stickers, and long sleeve shirts to go along with that. Uh, the website run by Max McDoolin, we're going to need writers. So if you're interested in that, write us a message on this. We'll get you involved, get you up on this. The website looks great. Chris, Comment on our Facebook if you want to write. If you can, absolutely, 100%. Again, we're here on Facebook Live as well. So let's dive in this. So the main topic before we get going with all the other topics in the main sports is boxing slash UFC. Right now, there is a huge fight that could be happening. Ooh, that could be the it's biggest fight happen. ever. It it's should happen. It should happen. Yeah. Right now, Conor McGregor, the face of UFC, could be facing against the undefeated. The champion. face of boxing for the, the past ten years. Exactly. You know? So with uh, Floyd Money Mayweather, what is your thoughts on this? And, and how? I mean, how much money could this possibly generate? Oh, this is going to generate a ridiculous amount of money. But I mean. I don't know how great of a fight it's going to be. It's not going to be the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. Since it's boxing, my money's on Mayweather, no doubt. I don't think it's going to be a. Um, it's not going to be a knockout because that's not how Mayweather fights. But uh, it's going to go round after round. I think Mayweather is going to dominate McGregor because it's his game. He came out of retirement for this for this match. I mean, retirement is a loose term when it comes to boxing, but. Um, he came out of this, and he has complete confidence, and and I I agree with him. I think that he will handle McGregor in this fight. Okay, see, I'm gonna absolutely disagree with you on this part. Uh, we're gonna have Ethan Graham on a little bit later. He had me on his radio show, which is gonna be connected to the website uh, moving forward. But I, I'm again disagree with you. The reason why I have Conor McGregor winning this fight, yes, he's not a boxer, but he does not like to go to the ground in UFC. He's got the strongest left hand in the game, and Mayweather likes to hit and get out of the way. He gets hit one time by McGregor, he could be on the ground for the first time his entire career. And you know what? He's never faced a guy as quick or as powerful as Conor McGregor has, and McGregor can take a punch. So I'm excited. If this can happen, I, I mean, people are going to be paying thousands of dollars to go to this fight, and then hundreds of dollars to get on pay-per-view. I just, I'm under the opinion that the hype for this fight is going to be bigger than the actual fight. I don't... I that's don't... what it was last time. On May 2nd, 2015, Mayweather last fought against uh, Pacquiao. Pacquiao and that, that was a good fight. It was a boring fight, dude. Absolute trash fight. But it was it was two even uh, opponents, and I, I think that's what makes a good boxing And what has McGregor been his entire career leading up? He's been the underdog. Everyone's he's been, been the underdog, him. but he's lost. It's not like we act like McGregor is this like god when it comes to the UFC, Lying. and he and he and he is like great right now, but he has lost. He's done his fair share of losing. He's very confident in himself, and I think that that's why so many people are like on the McGregor train all the time is because he does so much smash talking and everything. We have to remember that Floyd Money Mayweather doesn't know how to lose. He's not going to lose this fight, especially in his own game. So if you're watching this on Facebook Live or on the YouTube page, comment who you think is going to win this fight if it does happen, Mayweather or McGregor. i got to say this, though, real quick. 
Who's in their prime right now? Mayweather's about to turn 40 years old tomorrow on Friday. That is May 24th, <laughs> or excuse me, uh, February 24th. He's turning 40 years old. I'm going with the younger guy for sure. We're to stick. I'm going to stick with Conor McGregor. Let's go with the veterans. We'll talk about this later because, again, there's no contract. There's nothing going on right now. But, right, I mean, I'm still going to go with Conor McGregor. I love UFC. We'll move forward from that. <laughs> We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we got Max McDoolin in the college basketball world around us right now here on JNB Podcast. Woo! I'm kind of new here, but I've noticed a trend. My human does this funny thing where she goes around and gets all my toys, and then she hides them in that basket by the door. You know, but it's always the same basket, and it's always in the, in the same place. And then she acts so surprised when I find them, but, you know, she's putting them in the same basket. Again. It's like, hello, that's where you put it last time. You were the worst at hide-and-go-seek. kitchen surfaces, utensils, and hands with soapy water. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year. Keep your family safer. Check your steps at foodsafety.com. Welcome back to the JMB Podcast. I got Jackson Short on my right, Max McDoolin, my NCAA expert on my left for college basketball. Thank you for getting the website up. It's, yeah, it's going to be yeah. an incredible thing. Oh, it looks great. Unreal. It looks great. As, remember, seatatthetea.com. Check it out right now. We've got articles coming up. Lucas Moore is right behind the scenes over here. Big, big sports fan himself. Going to be a great writer on this as well. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Duncan. We'll talk about Duncan Goldberg yep. moving forward on one of your segments. Let's dive into this though. Uh, comparisons to the Big 12 and the Big 10. Right now the Big 12 is really hot. The Big 10 really down. Exact opposite in college football to basketball here. Exactly. That's kind of why I wanted to talk about it is, you know, we, we've, we talk about these two conferences in their strength. And football is is the money, right? Yes. Football is where we see it all uh, happening. And so when you have the Big 12 kind of struggle like it did, and really it didn't struggle that much. I mean, Oklahoma had a loss in Houston yeah. against what I thought was one of the better programs in the country. If their coach you know, pretty much doesn't leave towards the back end of the season, that's a team that I think is only a two-loss team and wins their bowl game. You know, So Oklahoma is this close to being a one-loss team and in the playoff. So the Big 12 in football... Uh, not that weak, as many people have seen, but one thing that's been obvious in basketball season is how strong they are. Uh, you know, and first of all, it starts with coaches in college basketball, just because experience is so important. And we've talked about Bob Huggins all season long. Uh, <laughs> had a little bit of an issue with the defibrillator. That was scary. <laughs> that was a little bit scary. I got scary. goosebumps watching that. No, I did too, because you and I have loved Bob Huggins yep. for a long time. Uh, and I think a lot of people watching are Bob Huggins fans yeah. too. Uh, and so when you see something it? like that right. happen, you get you get a little bit worried about him. Uh, but he said that's the second time it's ever happened to him. It's like a big shock. Yes. Uh, West Virginia has been a big shock this Jeez. season. I mean, I think <laughs> that that moment defines their season because it's kind of been almost uh, an up and down kind of odd kind of year. Yeah. You know, I think most people in college basketball would would think West Virginia is a better team this season than Louisville. Yeah. But Louisville's ranked number six right now, and yeah. Rick Pitino's got things going. Um, so. I honestly, one of the things that I wanted to talk about in the Big 12 is how I still think that there's a little bit of, of underrating going on there, you know, and, and I think that that's, that's just, and that, that comes with, you know, um, not with the standings, but with the fans, you know, Baylor doesn't get talked about as much as I think they would in a normal year. Reason they're not getting talked about right now is, uh, I can just go into that right now that we were going to talk about a little bit later, Yeah, that's fine. but, um, the Baylor football program, what's going on with athletics there, is a huge problem. You know, uh, I have plenty of friends in Houston, Texas, who have had family and students who go to Baylor, yeah. and they're wondering, what's going on with our athletic program? You know, what's the culture? Uh, and Art Bryles, you know, looked like a guy who was really set a high standard, and we learned that he didn't. And then that puts up red flags in the basketball program. And the thing is, is that money's going to go away from football, yes. which also hurts the rest of the programs. So you have a team like Baylor who literally looks like they could be on a run this year, yeah. who looks like they could be one of the stronger tournament teams. You know, they're playing against the Kansases, the West Virginias uh, of, of the world right now, and yet no one's talking about them. Yeah. They got three teams there in the top 12. Yep. You mentioned Baylor. 
They're at number nine. West Virginia's number 12. And then uh, Louisville in the AP is ranked number seven. Yep. I mean, these guys are absolute locks for the tournament. Yes. Moving forward. And, and other teams that I think that, that everyone's talking about on the bubble now who are actually locks for the tournament, and the reason I think the conference is stronger than most people think, Iowa State. Iowa State. They're 10-5 and five yep. in conference play right now. Uh, obviously, I don't think they're getting anything going on in the polls because they're 18-9 and nine overall this season, which if you are, you are a nine-loss team, you immediately are put squarely on the bubble. They're receiving yep. 22 votes in the polls, which that goes to the point that a lot of the writers, again, the writers, they know. You know, they know. I mean, that's why Baylor is up there. But your friends don't talk about Baylor that much. West Virginia, I don't think, is getting enough respect even in the polls, even though they're a six-loss team. An Iowa State team, their RPI is helped by, I mean, their worst loss of the season, at least stinging-wise, was to Cincinnati at home. Broke a 37-straight home winning streak at home in Iowa State. The Big 12 has some of the most difficult places to play. And you have a team like Kansas State and TCU sitting squarely on the bubble. And TCU right now, a lot of people have them in over Syracuse. Yeah. TCU sits at 17 and 11. Um, they're a fast-paced team. They've had some losses. But the comparison that I want to go into is the Big Ten. Northwestern, I, I can't handle how much love Northwestern got this year. <laughs> and the reason is this. They're in the Big Ten. Yeah. And so automatically, if you get on any winning streak in a power conference, boom, you're flying into the top 25. 100%. Northwestern's winning streak started with Bryant. Not really a powerhouse. Know, not a powerhouse, right? <laughs> yeah. well, then they play against Wake Forest and DePaul. Those are two solid wins. Uh, North Oregon, CHS, uh, that's Chicago State, just for those of you who don't know. <laughs> CHS powerhouse Dayton was a good win. Dayton's yes. a good win, 67-64. But then IUPUI... Houston Baptist, Penn State, who really has an atrocious basketball program, it's, it's looked okay, uh, better this season. They're sitting at 14 and 14 overall, which actually is better than they normally are. Um, but then they lose to Michigan State, and then they lose to Minnesota. Yeah. Michigan State never has gotten the respect this season. You look at the winning streak that Northwestern went on, and then you go and look at the schedule that I've already talked about that Michigan State played, yes. and you watch Michigan State play. Michigan State is a better team than Northwestern. Yes. And guess what? It's clear now because Northwestern has lost um, – let me go back to my schedule here. I think they've lost four out of their last six. They've lost to Purdue, who is, was a top 25 team at the time and is a top 25 team in my book. Illinois. Two times. Maryland and Illinois. Yeah. And Illinois, I mean, has, you know, is question marks around 16 them. 16-point loss to Illinois. It's, it's, what, I mean, what's your take on this Northwestern team? I mean, I, I, the, North, the Big Ten is just so upside down yes. this year. It with, is. Uh, with, with the exception of maybe Purdue because they float towards the um, top usually. But with Ohio State and Michigan State, um, Michigan State's sort of getting out of their drought, but both of them in a drought this year. Yep. It's just people people don't know what to make well, of Well, and people Ten. gravitate towards the teams with a better record because they see, exactly. oh, Northwestern has four losses late in the season, and then all of a sudden now they're sitting at, uh, what, what are they? what is their record now? Um, 20 and 8. 20 and 8. Yeah. I mean, they're an eight-loss team. Which should yeah. be a squarely on-the-bubble program historically. Joe Lenardi has them in as a uh, lock yeah. right now. Which I, kills me. Which 100% kills Northwestern, Because watching Northwestern play, they could actually win one game the rest of the season, lose their first-round game in the Big Ten Conference. If that happens, they do not deserve to be in the tournament. Before we go into the March Madness talk, I want to switch yeah. topics and go to last night's ending with a whole bunch of games. But I want to comment on the Syracuse game. Yeah. And right now, Syracuse is having... Compared to what they usually have, a horrible year. Yeah. They're 17 and 12 as a whole, 9 and 7 in conference play. They won on a buzzer beater three pointer last night. And the announcer, who I don't even know his name last night, commented, said, when he made that shot, that's going to be punching their tickets to the March Madness tournament. I was blown away by that because, in my opinion, Syracuse <laughs> has, shouldn't be anywhere close to it. Right? Seven, 17 and 12. Exactly. 9 and 7. They're coming. Just because they beat Duke doesn't mean anything. Duke is also having a down year. Well, here, here's the thing well, I could say. Here's down the thing. year for Duke. Duke here, exactly. Here's the thing I could say about that. A triple doesn't make up for a triple loss. That's right. And yeah. Syracuse had lost three straight Whoa. on the road against Pittsburgh, <laughs> at home against Louisville, at Georgia Tech. Yes. Now, look, I love Josh Pastner. He's a very good coach at Georgia Tech. He did great things at Memphis, had a bad year a season ago, and is rebuilding at Georgia Tech. Yes. But those are the games you cannot lose if you want to be a tournament team. And I love Jim Beheim. Yes. 
but your name doesn't punch your ticket. And be, just because it's a Bayheim coach team and they're 17 and 12 right now, you watch, you, you have to watch what's going on at that point in the year, right? Yeah. Michigan State is, is playing better and showing people they can be a tournament team at the right time. A buzzer beater win against Duke at home in one of the toughest places to play in the country does not does not this, push you push you in a better spot. This storyline is Duke losing. It's not Syracuse yeah. winning yeah. in my mind. I mean, when you when you look at the ACC and Syracuse losing to Georgia Tech, and then you look at the head-to-head matchups with Duke and Georgia Tech, I think Duke beat them by like 50 points or exactly. something. It's just Duke. This was Duke's off night, uh, and they've had a couple of them this year. Um, but yeah, sir. And it happens. It happens to everybody, and especially a team that's proven. You know, Coach K. Uh, you know, he can't. It's you. It's impossible to task a head coach with meshing together young guys year in and year out. Some years it's not going to turn out exactly how you want it to be. This year, there's six losses. Each loss has had a weird storyline in each game. But that doesn't take away from the point that they're 22 and six, and that they yeah. they've made it clear that they can go on a run. Syracuse is not a team that has proven to us they can get on a run. Northwestern, not a team that has proven to us they can get on a run against high-quality programs. Michigan State has. All right, now moving forward here, we can talk about Gonzaga because it's your love, your diehard <laughs> yeah. number one team, Ooh. the only team left in NCAA that is undefeated, and we can talk about the Marsh Madness preview. Uh, so you want to give a shout-out to Duncan? You want to talk about that right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about Duncan real quick. Seatatthetea.com, that's our website, just launched tonight. Uh, Duncan Goldberg, a friend of ours, uh, just put together uh, a little look, uh, an article titled March is Madness uh, that is up on the website right now. Uh, and he kind of goes through his, uh, his teams, a couple of maybe his bubble teams, a couple of teams that he looks at as being uh, contenders and kind of pretenders. Yes. Uh, and so I kind of already went through my contenders and pretenders, obviously. Uh, but when we look at the top programs in the country, uh, two, two teams that I have to you know, give shout-outs to, uh, Cincinnati, I love my Bearcats, but also they've had some very quality wins this season. They're a three-loss team, uh, one conference loss to SMU. Uh, they need to prove to people they can win in conference play, but they've won in strings in a row against solid teams. Uh, SMU. Big, big win tonight, though. Gotta give yeah. a shout-out to Cincinnati Bearcats. 87-74 at home. Got it to a hot start. They scored 51 points in the first half, yeah. Max. Yep. So notable thing about this article, and I know uh, you were talking about them earlier, um, but West Virginia is left off of Duncan's list completely. Yes. Even, and, I, and I would like to ask you if they're off of your list of if the top 15 contenders. I think we talked about it on our last podcast. Yeah. I can never leave... If if, <laughs> if West Virginia yeah, is looks like a top fifteen program rankings wise, strings together wins, and you see them as being a deep complete team. SMU is not a deep complete team in the yeah. American. They're a top twenty five program. They've only got seven scholarship players, and those are the only guys that play. They're hurt because of that. West Virginia can go through their rotation. When Bob Huggins can put together a team like that, I can't ever leave them out. So actually, when I was going through this and threw it up on the website, I said out loud to myself. Where's West Virginia? <laughs> That's what I was Where's West was Virginia? Thought. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, one of the guys, the teams that I'm really glad that uh, he broke down, the both of them, is Oregon and UCLA. Because oftentimes we don't spend enough time on those West Coast programs because they don't win in March. They haven't yes, won in March yeah. in a long time. Last time they were in the Final Four was UCLA back when Kevin Love was on the team. Kind of wild, right? <laughs> and, and Love well, wasn't the player, uh, wasn't even necessarily the best player on, on that team. Yes. Um, Westbrook, yeah. But... Uh, um, I forgot about that. That was a stacked team at the time. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lucas Moore and I were talking about that actually the other day, who was on that team. But but I like Oregon. Lonzo Ball at UCLA is the best, if not the second best, Markel Fultz in him. Two very, very good guards. Wasn't that his brother, too, that put up 92 points? Yeah. <laughs> Don't listen yeah. to that. That's not, he cherry-picked yeah. the entire time. Go look, watch the video, and, you know, I would have scored 50 points <laughs> if I would have played in that style of a game. Um, All right, so last question before, yep. before, before we let you go here. Yep. Is Gonzaga going to go undefeated until March yeah. and the tournament starts? Gonzaga will go into the tournament undefeated, okay. yet... They still, unfortunately, I don't think they deserve to be the number four overall. It's going to be odd because they're going to be the number one team in the country, possibly unanimously undefeated. But the tournament committee will, even if they seed them number one, look at their side of the bracket. It will be the most difficult bracket. Most likely, they will play Dayton. 
It'll be an 8-9 matchup. Dayton will probably have a favorable matchup. And Dayton-Gonzaga will be round to 32. And Archie Miller. Yep. <laughs> watch out. Watch Dayton out, Dayton versus Gonzaga. It'll, it'll be similar. It'll be a little different because you're talking about a power in Gonzaga. It'll be different than the Wichita State-Kentucky yes, matchup because yeah. you're talking about the power getting taken down possibly by the team that that is always right there. Yes. Whereas last time it was the power that got that that took down the team that had always been right there that had a great run. So that's what I'm looking forward to most in March is there's going to be a lot of games like that. I cannot wait. Our next episode after spring break, we have one more next week and then spring break. The week after that is going to be our March Madness special. Max McDoolin is going to be the headliner of the entire episode. We're going to go over brackets because the bracket will be dropped right when we get back from spring break. Again, check our website out, seatatthetea.com. Again, that's seatatthetea.com. Max dropped that tonight. Awesome website. If you want to write, let us know. We'll gladly have you on it. Um, again, basketball's heating up. We are very, very close to March Madness. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have NHL here on JAB Podcast. All right. I'm kind of new here. But I've noticed a trend. My human does this funny thing where she goes around and gets all my toys, and then she hides them in that basket by the door. You know, but it's always the same basket, and it's always in the, in the same place. And then she acts so surprised when I find them, but, you know, she's putting them in the same basket. Again. It's like, hello? That's where you put it last time. You were the worst at hide-and-go-seek. kitchen surfaces, utensils, and hands with soapy water. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year. Keep your family safer. Check your steps at foodsafety.com. Welcome back to the JB Podcast. I'm Bobby Levine. Alongside me is Shane Dazen to my right and Ethan Papa Sexy to my left. Hello. Ethan Graham. Huge. He's always been my, my right or my right. Actually, Part, my, partner in crime. Partner in crime. My left-handed man over here. Um, before we get going here, another couple uh, housekeeping issues that involving NHL. This Sunday at the Pigskin, 5 p.m., the Columbus Blue Jackets will play at the New York Rangers. We're actually having a host party there with the fifth line, the Columbus Blue Jackets artillery. Um, a lot of giveaways. We got 25 tickets or so. Uh, we got signed jerseys, t-shirts from Lamp Apparel, and much more coming from there. Get some food, get some nice drinks in you if you're of age. There's nothing wrong with a nice beer. Um, so we'll move from there. Um, Have a little bat, maybe? This segment might be a little shorter than what we're used to on your radio show. That's okay. Last, two weeks ago, you created a radio show? Yeah, yeah, a radio show for ACR, uh, and it's all campus radio network. It's uh, with myself and Ben Martin. Yep. Uh, that's Wednesdays, uh, 5 to 6 p.m., Fridays, 4 to 5 p.m. It's really low down on sports, uh, pop culture, really. Everything you need to know about the world we live in, I think, is an accurate assessment of the afternoon excursion with Ethan and Ben. ACRN.com. Check that out. Um, so, yeah, tomorrow from 4 to 5, they'll be on it. Shane's going to be guest appearing on that as well. I was on it yesterday. had a great time as well. Let's dive into the NHL, though, Let's. while we're here. Let's. Storylines. What's moving forward here? What's going on? Uh, a bunch of things are going on. Really getting exciting as we're headed into the playoffs. And you guys want to excuse me here. I'm going through a little bit of a sickness, and my voice is wavering. I'm going to try to stick with you guys. So uh, hopefully Hang uh, we'll get through. But, yeah, a bunch of stuff going on in the NHL. About 20 games to go until we hit the playoffs, and uh, all the uh, races are really starting to heat up. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, some interesting races. The one thing that really pops out to me when I look at the standings is the Eastern Conference. How much better the Metropolitan Division is than the Atlantic there in the East. You have Washington, 87 points. Pittsburgh, 82 points. Columbus sitting there at 79 points. And uh, the Rangers right behind them right now. They're playing Toronto. I think that, that was a 1-1 one -one game. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so they're playing for an important game tonight in the standings. So, and you really look at those four teams, New York, Columbus, Washington, Pittsburgh. Those are four of the best teams in hockey. Not just the, the East. Four of the top five best teams in hockey. Not just the West. Four of the best teams in hockey. All in the same division. And then you go out to the Atlantic. It is a much we it's much weaker. Montreal at 72 points. Ottawa at 70 points. And Ottawa is missing four of their top six right now. Bobby Ryan, uh, Mike Hoffman, um, Broussard. I think the other guy is Stone, who they are without right now. 
So, and then, you know, it's anyone's race for those third and fourth spots. Uh, you look at Boston, the uh, Boston, um, the Islanders is a wild card team. The Rangers, someone's going to have to be a wild card team out of the Metro um, with only the top three making it. So, really, that jumps out to me how much better the Metro is than uh, the Atlantic right now. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's all uh, definitely agreeable on my end, too. I think uh, that the Metro is head over heels definitely better than the Atlantic Division. And I, I'll go to the other side of the bracket here, and we'll talk about the West on my end here. And uh, you kind of get that same dichotomy where you have those really top-heavy teams up top and those kind of uh, you know bottom dwellers, those bottom feeders down low. And uh, at least in the Central, uh, the Wild and the Blackhawks are uh, the cream of the crop in the yeah. Central Division here. They're both running away with those top two spots. In Make the a little bit interesting. I don't, want to, I don't want to take anything with you. I understand that the Metropolitan is the best division in hockey. We understand that. But don't take anything away from Minnesota or Chicago. Oh, no. No, Chicago's Minnesota. the most veteran lineup out there. They've been a so many cups. How can you argue? No, they're a threat. They, they are they're an absolute threat. They have yeah. Kane. They have Taze. They have uh, Duncan Keith. Corey Crawford has took t uh, taken them to a cup seemingly every other year. They have a, a new goalie making name for himself yep. in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, I mean, Chicago certainly has those uh, big dogs. You know, we've seen them do it. You look at a team like Minnesota, five – Five players in the top ten of plus minus. Ryan Suter, yeah, yeah, two and two in the top three. Ryan Suter and Jared Spurgeon, two of the top three there. So what that Minnesota team's been able to do, you know, they don't have that track record. They didn't make it to the um, Western Conference Finals their third year in the league, but really under the radar since then. They don't get the respect they deserve, and I think Minnesota, you know, could absolutely come out of the West this year. Yeah. No, and I think the counter that uh, you got to look at the other half of that in the Pacific Division in San Jose Sharks. Uh, up to the same antics that they were at this point last year, really playing their best hockey as we move forward here toward the trade deadline and into uh, playoff uh, central. And I think the Sharks are all another team that you got to watch out for in the West. Uh, look at their standing, 77 points, uh, only eight points behind the Wild, and that's you know a couple games here and there uh, that you know a few weird bounces either way can uh, dictate. And I think that the Sharks are just as good a team as they were at last point of this year. They didn't really lose anybody, and they had couple of nice players in uh, Marty Hansel uh, over, over the break that really solidified that third line and they've managed to stay somewhat healthy this year and if that trend continues I think you really got to watch out for San Jose and uh, don't count on Edmonton either don't count on the Ducks as well I think both of those teams are uh, obviously solidly in the playoffs at yeah. this point the rest of that division is kind of weak uh, Calgary with 64 points clinging on to that eighth and final spot in the west and they're 10 points behind the Ducks, so it looks like Edmonton's finally going to break the Schneid, get their first playoff appearance since they went all the way to the Cup back in 06, yeah. which is huge, and I think uh, stands to really, uh, you know, the testament of Connor McDavid and what he's been able to do for that franchise in that city. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, being a Pence fan, I'm a little impartial to Sidney Crosby, but at the same time, you can't uh, disagree with the fact that Connor McDavid is probably the MVP of this league this year. Even if no. he doesn't win the Absolutely. Super race, I think you got to, yeah. you got to, you know, put your... Uh, money where your mouth is and uh, you know, say that Connor McDavid has been the most valuable player for his team in this league. Before we go to trade, trade deadlines, I'm going to say one thing real quick. San Jose, the last 10 games, they're 4, 1, and 5. they got to figure out how to win in overtime. That's a <laughs> yeah. unreal They're getting points. They are getting yeah. points. Yeah. And that's the thing about even the NHL. Even losing hockey games, even when you're losing hockey games, if you're finding a way to scratch out points here and there. The Remain competitive. NHL, exactly. You are going to find a way to make the playoffs. Look at teams up and down this lineup. In multiple, uh, you know, multiple overtime losses. Seven here for Phoenix, six for the Canucks, ten for the Ducks, eight for the Oilers, seven for the Sharks. These guys are going to finish with double-digit overtime losses by the end of the year. Yeah. At this point in the NHL, it's so competitively balanced and so tight that getting to overtime is really an accomplishment in itself. If you can get to overtime and get a point, you're doing something right here. And these teams are stacking up these overtime losses, even though they're losing the hockey games. And in my opinion, losses are losses. I like to call it how it is and say, you know, for teams. You know, 33 28 or 33 28. But to build off 28 games, but they get a point, and that really helps in the standings. But to build off that, that extra point, you know, should it, should it be a loss? You know, should we get rid of the shootout? You know, there's absolutely some validity to that conversation of eliminating the shootout. It's a skills contest to ending the game. But it really makes the standings so much more interesting. The Islanders at 66 points, Florida at 66 points, Boston at 66 points. I think Boston's the best three out of those teams. You know, those best three that could make it right now. They're really strong down the middle. Uh, Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, David Backe is all huge down the middle for them. But those two, three teams at 66 points, it's the same out in the West, too, like you're saying. Very, very competitive. You know, I think that extra point system and, you know, playing inside your division in what we call, you know, those four-point games, Especially, um, you know, at the top of the division, where if you lose, you know, you gain four, you uh, lose four points, you win, you gain four points in the other team in your division. I think that extra point really uh, makes things more interesting in the NHL. 
And you know, should should they consider getting rid of it, going back to ties? I mean, you know, it should. I don't like ties. No. They say it's like kissing your sister. I don't like <laughs> ties. You win or you lose. It's as simple as that. So I absolutely agree with you. All right. So can we go on the trade deadline? Let's, let's, let's go there. I mean, we spent a lot of on ties itself. Let's go to the trade deadline right now. Uh, we just talked about the wild card race there in the East with a whole bunch of 66 points. Who's going to make a move first and get that player they need to go to get over the hump? Well, we already saw the Penguins go out today and get a veteran defenseman, Ron Hainsey, 14-year veteran of the NHL. And that's a huge pickup for the Penguins considering their uh, you know, woes on the back end. They've been getting decimated by injuries. Trevor Daly announced today that he's going to be out for six weeks uh, with uh, surgery coming up. For him, Chris Letang out of the lineup day-to-day -day with an upper body injury. Ole Mata with a hand injury out of the lineup for six weeks. Justin Schultz with a concussion. So the Penguins are really, really battered on that back end of the line. They go out, get a defenseman today, and that continues a trend that we've seen for the last two weeks where uh, you know teams are really acquiring these D-men. Michael Stone uh, gets picked up by the Flames from the Coyotes, and they uh, acquire uh, third and the fifth round pick. So Arizona really uh, does what they want to do with that trade and acquire some young talent in the coming years. And... Flames get a short-term need there, and the Capitals also get Tom Gilbert from L.A. Uh, some insurance there on the back end in case they run into some injury problems like the Penguins have. So uh, at this point, I don't think any big moving parts are gonna are really going to shake. I think you're going to look for guys like Jerome again, like guys like Shane Doan, guys like Brian Elliott, these guys who are kind of older, looking for maybe another opportunity or a chance to go win a Stanley Cup. And I think those are going to be those integral traits, those third-line guys, those uh, you know maybe those fifth or sixth defensemen that – uh, make the difference between a team, uh, you know, who runs into some injuries, filling a piece, and uh, you know, calling up some inexperienced guy in the minors. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta bolster your lineup now while you can, and these little shrewd moves by GMs like the uh, Penguins' Jim Rutherford today are, are gonna be what gets the job done here. How about you? You know, while there is not, it's not likely that we're gonna see a lot of big names move. There are, there is a lot of good rental defensemen out there available. Um, Mark Strait, someone for the Philadelphia Flyers, who's in the back end of his career. You know, a solid two-way defenseman. You can put him on your top uh, power play pair. Uh, the Flyers are certainly looking to move him. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk is another guy who I look at up in the upper uh, echelon of guys who are certainly going to be available. Will they be moved? That's a different story. But, you know, I can tell you St. Louis is listening to offers. Um, you know, will a team, you know, in the East look, look at Shattenkirk, one of those borderline teams, you know, will Montreal um, look to add that defenseman on the back end? They, loved, they love those big uh, deadline acquisitions. Or, you know, will Edmonton, you know, they they realize yeah, you know definitely a player right now. Absolutely, they they realize you know Connor uh, Connor McDavid. I only said McGregor. Yeah, yeah, two different guys. Yeah, let's get him on skates. That would that would be one interesting fight. <laughs> anyway, but uh, you know you look you look at McDavid having this absolute career year. You know he's been maybe the best scorer we've seen in the NHL in the last five years. You know in terms of an outstanding individual season. Maybe they decide to go for it and move some pieces around for Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, there's some big name goalies out there available right now. Uh, you look at Marc Andre Fleury; he's the biggest name out there. Uh, the, the Penguins are talking about moving him, Matt Murray, and no that. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like happens. you know we will see what happens. This is one of the most interesting times of the year. Uh, Marc Andre Fleury, like I said, a guy that the Penguins are you know considering moving with Matt Murray there in that. Uh, ben Bishop uh, is someone else who's been in play for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Obviously, got them. Uh, to the finals the year before last against Chicago, and they, uh, he wasn't so much in the playoffs last year, but he was, you know, a huge part of their regular season last year. You know, maybe even Steve Mason is a guy who's moved. Um, he is a big contract. Philadelphia is out of it. How much of that will they want to tear down? You know, that's something we're going to find out as the trade deadline approaches here. All right, so moving forward now to guys that are locks on these teams that will not get traded. Rookie of the year and MVP. Who is your MVP right now? I think Connor McDavid at this point is the MVP of this league, and that's really, like I said, a tough one for me to swallow because I am a big Pence fan. And look at Crosby's numbers here, 66 points in 53 games. He's got the highest point-per-game total in the league uh, you know, at, at his position, uh, in, you know, at, at, at a skill position there. So uh, Crosby's been above and beyond you know, an incredible hockey player from the start. He's uh, you know, truly a franchise player. I think overall number one best player in the world still. Probably the face of the but, NHL. But it, the MVP, most valuable player to his team, I think is Connor McDavid at this point. Without Connor McDavid, Edmonton doesn't uh, you know, have the, the spoon that stirs the team. Oh, so, 100%. Yeah, if they, if they didn't have McDavid, season. this team wouldn't be nowhere close to being playoff contention. I'm agree with you, but again, it's nice to see another face come up with Crosby and have... Uh, oh, I guess yeah. you can share. They're both great guys. Yeah, and then I, I don't, I don't understand why it has to be 
a, a competition or a battle. Everybody always tries to pit these you know great players uh, against each other. Crosby. Well, it's a debate. It's the debate. Uh, you know, I, know, I realize things, it, yeah. but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be like that. You could appreciate the fact that both of these players are you know generational talents that are playing. Uh, you know, for two teams in separate conferences that never really run into each other on a frequent basis, it's not really a rivalry. I don't have to think we have to talk about Crosby McDavid in terms of you know Crosby and Ovechkin right. like we used to. And I, I don't think people are, but uh, you know, you hear that uh, comparison made all the time. Well, McDavid is he ready to take the mantle? I don't think like uh, you need to think like that. I think you need to watch this guy mature, see how he develops over the next couple of years, and uh, you know, let him wow you like he has. In terms of my MVP, you know, it's hard to uh, argue against Connor McDavid. Certainly, I think he's going to be the one who ends up with it at the end of the year. As, you know, the goal scoring's there, 20 goals. He's probably going to get 30, you know, score 10 in the next 20 games. Absolutely is doable for him. Uh, but 48 assists, he's a playmaker. You know, you hear those guys on Edmonton, like Mark Letestu, talk about, you know, you're going to get that puck right in front of an open net when Connor McDavid's on the ice. You better be ready for your, your chances. You're ready to be ready to... Uh, Put the biscuit in the basket, but for my MVP pick, who who I think is the most valuable player in the NHL, it's got to be Brent Burns. He's able to do it from the defensive end, tenth in time on ice, 38, 37 assists. He's in his twenties, in the twenties in his goals, and he's by far the best defenseman in the league. Um, you know, that's that's a part of our game that doesn't get talked about enough, especially in the the MVP discussion. Is you know the the back end of the game, you know, the neutral zone play, the board battles, you know, the things that aren't on the stat sheet. You know who are the defensemen? Growing up, everybody who was a defensive growing up was the best skater on the team. Yeah, absolutely. And move the puck that know how to control offenses. They're the quarterback of your hockey team, essentially. They're the ones who are leading that rush. So I would go with Brent Burns. Another guy who I, who I want to talk about um, is up there in Minnesota. Uh, Devin Dubnik at yeah, 201 goals against. Uh, yesterday when we were getting together, you know, talking about what we were going to talk about with this show, he had the triple crown and goaltending, you know. I didn't even know that was a thing until yesterday. But uh, as we look at it right now, 9-3-3 in save percentage. Uh, that leads the league. 32 dubs, that leads the league. And then point, point two behind Brayden Holby. Brayden Holby yeah, had, yeah. Um, had, had, a, had a big win last night. Uh, but, you know, two, he's certainly statistically the best goalie in the game right now. Uh, um, maybe the best team in the West, I, I think. Devin His Dubin. transformation has been unreal. Devin right. Dubin's transformation in these last couple years in Minnesota really has been unprecedented. Watching him come in, and he really had a rough time in Edmonton, and that's not all his fault. Obviously, Edmonton was a rebuilding franchise. No defense in there. No defense no. in front of him. He had no help whatsoever. But Minnesota has really uh, done a nice job nurturing him and giving him the best opportunity to thrive. And he's uh, definitely paid them in uh, forward with all these wins and all, all the success that he's had in the last couple of years. And Minnesota is definitely looking prime to make a run here. Certainly. So next week we're gonna have both you guys on once again. We're gonna talk about the Rookie of the Year then and the Stadium Series. Before I let you go though. I'm going to skip to our last segment we're going to talk about. The Blue Jackets are right now on a bye week. Mm -hmm. This is a new thing in the NHL. Shane Dazen told me that this week. We were talking about that, um, discussing – I've never heard of this, and there's a reason why, because it's brand new to the league. Mm -hmm. Every team has a week off. Um, sometimes they have extra days, like the, like the Pens did earlier. Um, they had, what, seven, you said? Yeah, we were off from uh, the 1st of January to the – that's amazing. And Columbus only has five, I believe. Yeah, it's from Monday to Friday. They had a game Sunday, and they'll have a game Saturday and Sunday moving forward. What's your guys' take on this? Is it good for the league? I know it's a little different. They're trying to, it looks like they're trying to do like an NFL thing where we'll get a bye week as a whole. But in the NFL, you have a certain day where everyone plays. It's either Sunday or Thursday night or you have one Monday night game. There's not games every night that go on like the NHL does. What's your aspect on this? Right, so, yeah, basically what's going on here is they're trying to get guys some extra rest during the year. And I, I think in, in novelty, it's a great idea, but uh, logistically it just doesn't work for the league. You're looking at teams coming out of these bye weeks, and 20 teams have had their bye week to this point. And teams coming out of that bye week are 4-12-4 and four after their first game mm -hmm. uh, off the bye. And that's an interesting stat to note because I've seen a team like you know that I've watched, the Penguins, uh, go on an, a six-game win streak before their bye week take a seven-day break. They win their first game back from the break, and then they'll go ahead and lose three of their next four. So, like, you see these teams coming out of these breaks, uh, you know, with a little bit of rust, and at this point, you have to ask yourself, how many days is too much? How many breaks is too much? You've already seen three or four-day breaks built into the schedule for various teams throughout the year, sometimes even longer, sometimes uh, week-long breaks that are already built into the schedule without having to have a bye week. And I think at one point, you have to look at rest versus rust how much time you're having off here. And I don't think it's a, a great thing for the NHL to continue by weeks. And they've talked about trying to tweak it. And next year, 
they're proposing uh, maybe having two bye weeks with one half of the league taking off one week and the other half of the league taking off next. And I think that is a definite better format than what they've gone with this year. But at the same time, I don't know if it's the answer uh, in totality. I think they can work these uh, types of schedules and types of breaks into the schedule uh, without having to have a designated bye week. I think it's just too much. Well, with the bye weeks and really the whole NHL schedule in general, it's been something that's been an issue for them, really making it fair almost. In the NHL, we have what are called back-to-back -back, uh, games, and that's where you play a game in your home arena one night, or your way arena, and then you go back to the uh, home or way arena that you were in, in the previous night. Uh, Buffalo and Columbus lead the league in back-to-backs this year. They have 19. Uh, there's three teams with 18. And then you go down to the bottom. Dallas and Edmonton only play 10 back-to-back -back games. I mean, that's a significant difference. That's nine times the year you're going out there, you know, after, after one game, you know, maybe, maybe you got piped the night before, you know, maybe, maybe you put up a big game. It's a huge emotional swing and the travel. It's hard to do the bye week. You know, it's the first year for it. I mean, I think these kinds of things are expected. You know, the team's coming off it, Rusty. You know, what's the solution? I think that's going to have to be something that's really talked about this summer. I, th I like the idea of it. Um, you know, the team that's going to be hoisting the cup at the end of the year is likely going to be doing so in June and opening up training camp in September. I mean, that is an obnoxious schedule. You know, these guys need some time off. They need some rest. You know, maybe they could do a, do a four, five, or six-day uh, bi-week rotation. Maybe, you know, you're on uh, four days a week, uh, year one, six days a week two, uh, or year two, something of that nature. But I look for just more consistency in the NHL schedule, and it's not easy, you know, accommodating 30 teams. It's going to be 31 next year when Las Vegas comes into the league that have, you know, events, concerts, you know, professional basketball at some arenas, uh, other events. It's not easy to accommodate it. So really, what's the solution? You know, I think the half the league off one week, half the league off the other week isn't a terrible idea. But, you know, that's tough not getting to see your team play for that whole week. I think maybe the four, five, or six-day rotation um, is something they want to look into. But, you know, is that going to be possible to keep consistent? Uh, you know, that's a whole different thing. Moving forward, I guess we'll figure out how the team's like at the end of the year. I guarantee the uh, league will have a, probably a poll with all the players, get their opinion on that and move forward. Uh, again, tomorrow afternoon, the afternoon excursion with my buddy here, Ethan Graham, and his roommate. Uh, check it out on acrn.com. Uh, and again, if you want to check out our website, these guys will be writing for us as well for NHL. I sure will. Up to date stuff with that. At or seat at the t.com. Check that out. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We come back. We have Matt Harrington with the NBA here on JMB Podcast. Go Blue Jackets! I'm kind of new here, but I've noticed a trend. My human does this funny thing where she goes around and gets all my toys, and then she hides them in that basket by the door. You know, but it's always the same basket. And it's always in the, in the same place. And then she acts so surprised when I find them. But, you know, she's putting them in the same basket. Again. It's like, hello? That's where you put it last time. You were the worst at hide-and-go-seek. kitchen surfaces, utensils, and hands with soapy water. One in six Americans will get sick from food poisoning this year. Keep your family safer. Check your steps at foodsafety.com. Oh, why you mad? Cause I'm starting, yeah. Say I know. Welcome back to the JB Podcast. I'm Bobby Vine, your host. Back with me, my main man, Jackson Schroeder. And now we have Matt Harrington talking about some NBA, some basketball. Today's like Christmas in the NBA. Uh, oh, yeah, seriously. The trade deadline happens. Everyone's pretty much on their phone, glued to Twitter, seeing what's happening minute by minute. If teams are going to be big buyers, big sellers, or they stay put. Uh, Matt, just dive on in and tell us what's going on. Pretty much. Uh, we all know Boogie Cousins. Yes. <laughs> we all Boogie know. Cousins. Uh, he got traded to the New Orleans Pelicans. Yes, New Orleans Pelicans. Um, pretty much, that looks like a bold move uh, <laughs> by the, the Kings to let go of Boogie Cousins for... That value, Tyreek Evans, who was with the Kings in, his, in the beginning of his career. Um, also, it was Langston uh, Galloway and who was the? Oh, Buddy Hill. Forget about yeah. Buddy Hill in the first round pick. But the thing is, that first round pick is a protected pick. So even if, um, excuse me, the Pelicans, they traded away that pick. If it's a top three pick, they get that pick back. So it's like 
Pelicans aren't going to lose the out. Be a, but you never know because it's a water. <laughs> you <Yeah>. never know. <laughs> so they, 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 you're going to tank, tank to keep those two and then move from there. Why not? You know what? Because they need playmaker, and this draft is full of playmakers. You got Malik Monk, Lonzo Ball, uh, Darren Fox. You got many more guys that are coming in. Uh, in the league, they're young and they're ready to go. What was the strategy for the Kings behind this? I mean, it seems to make no sense. Honestly, the only person that's bringing any attention to your franchise is Boogie Cousins, mm-hmm. and you give him away for something that is like you—you you could have consequential. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could have uh, at least made a deal with Washington or some teams that have players that they can send you. New Orleans had Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. and that's all they have. And yeah. now they have Boogie Cousins yeah. with them, too. Exactly. But like, it, was just a dumb, it was just a dumb move, yeah. to put so it right. I look at this like there was something going on behind the scenes. Like, obviously, you know, Boogie, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, he's been acting out, you know, off the court, uh, even on the court. And it's just like there's just this whole drama there. Um, so I just think there's something behind the scenes that we don't know. Um, I guess it's all over now. <laughs> he's with the, with the Pelicans. I'm not sure what he's doing right now. I know they have a game against the Rockets. Uh, I hope I hope the Kings are you know do well from this. We'll see where this goes from here. Uh, other news: um, Paul George stays where he's at. Uh, the, the Celtics don't make any moves for the second year straight. That means that the Celtics really they really value that pick from Brooklyn that they get, in the, which is a top three pick because Brooklyn's obviously really bad. Um, so with that being said. Celtics by uh, from them not making the move is just it just looks to me like they're better off not making that trade because mm-hmm. um, it, it wasn't going to be beneficial for them anyway. Uh, either way, they're going to be behind the Cavs and the Warriors, and those teams are Grade A, One A, One B, with the Warriors being One A and Cavs being One B. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> so so being making that trade would just devalue the the franchise as a whole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I would definitely have to agree with you there. Boston's doing all they can right now. They they they've been doing great. Why mess up a good thing? You know, exactly. second place in the East right now. And uh, I mean, the Raptors have sort of fallen off, but also the Celtics have won a lot of games recently. They're only three games behind the Cavs, and the exactly. Cavs have been on their hot streak exactly. as of late too. So stuff's going right in Boston, and we all predicted this in the past few years. If we, if any team has done a good job of rebuilding, of course it's coming from the Northeast and Boston. Oh, yes. I mean, Boston, they know how to do it. Something's in the water up there or something, but they know how to rebuild and stay good. It starts with the head coach. We talked about this. Brad Stevens, he's a genius. Brad Stevens knows what he's doing. And he's you know what? Trust the process like they, like pretty much, he's not saying this, but he's doing it <laughs> on paper. He doesn't That's mean, Philadelphia, and well, their process is garbage. That's going to lead me right to my next <laughs> segment here is the Philadelphia 76ers. So what happened right now is the Boston Celtics are 8-2. Washington's 9-1. No big moves are coming out of these places. They're yeah. doing what yeah. they need to do. They're winning ball games. They have a right team. They have the right players in their opinion to move forward and hopefully beat the Cavaliers and move forward in the East. Moving forward now onto our show, trusting the process in Philadelphia might be collapsing. What well, is going on? Because Nerlens Noel was just dealt. Well, I, I, I view that as a, as a really good thing because okay. they had this whole dilemma with Nerlens Noel, excuse me, Nerlens Noel, Jaleel Okafor, and Joel Embiid. Now that they have that kind of, you know, Separated, Nerlens gets to do his thing down in Dallas, which he's a big winner for that because he gets to get starting time, starting money, and that that's really good for him. He gets to show his work. Um, that, back in Philadelphia, um, you have this thing with Jaleel Okafor and Joel Embiid now. Now Joel Embiid, he's hurt. He's about to miss the the, the, the 14th game in the last 15 games, which he which he says is something else is going on there. Um, so, which means Jaleel Four gets to show his stuff. And I don't know what people have, the problem have with Jaleel Four. I know he doesn't really play defense all like that, but he's an immense talent. He's an immense talent. And there was big, big speculation that he was going to the Bulls, to the Pelicans before Boogie got traded to the Pelicans. And we, we just don't know what's going on there. So, right now, um, Jaleel, he gets to show his stuff while Jaleel, uh, Joel Embiid is, is out with an injury. Yeah, my, my take on the whole process in Philadelphia is that they've picked up all of these great players, but they aren't the star power. The draft, the people coming out of the NCAA recently, 
haven't, even though they're getting the number one, number two picks mm -hmm. consistently, they haven't been the stars that we saw earlier in the 2000s, yeah. which are now the LeBron James, the Steph Curry, the uh, Russell Westbrook. Um, James Harden's a little bit uh, younger, but yeah, I mean, just these guys, when you look at them, Nerlens Noel and Joel Embiid, they're good players, but that's all they are. They're good players. I would say Joel Embiid is a superstar in the making. Nerlens Noel, he's a... Uh, it's easy. It's so he's a player. He's going to be. He's going to feel like that Tyson role type of player. He's not going to score a lot. He's going to get the dirty points. He's going to get the boards. He's going to get the blocks. He's going to do his thing. Um, Join B though. He's the next generation type of player. He can shoot from three. He can handle the ball. He can drive you, take it to the paint, and dunk it on you. You know, he does it all. The NBA is a weird sport. You get these guys coming right out of high school that want to go straight to the pros. Mm -hmm. When you look at college football, you get these guys that are molded after three years of playing college mm -hmm. football. They are built. You know what you're going to get when you draft them early. You know that the, you know Jadavion Clowney is going to be a playmaker in your team and how good he is on yeah. tape. You know how good Joey Bosa and Ezekiel are. You know he's going to run the but ball. But they're also worn out as well in some cases. It is, but then looking at college basketball, these guys are projected so good, but the talent. They're still kids. Yeah, they're, they're still babies. They're, 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 they're 18, yeah. 19 years old. Mm -hmm. We saw Trey Burke come out of Northland and Columbus, go to Michigan, was the player of the year in college mm -hmm. basketball, and he's actually falling. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, he's been moved around. He's. Yeah, he's lost some confidence in this game. Yeah. Um, he's also undersized, so yes. that, that's also a factor. Uh, yeah, so I definitely understand what you're saying. Uh, some of it has to do with, you know, the, the scheme that's around the players and how they're working around with the other teammates. Uh, another thing that factors in is just, like, the area around them, their, their support system, things of that nature. So you got to factor in those things as well. All right, let's move forward. We're, we're put the Knicks in the hashtag game. We're going to do a game now for you guys. <laughs> I'm going to say a team or a player, and you guys are going to give me a hashtag and a reason why you did the hashtag. So we'll start out with the New York Knicks. <laughs> hashtag what? Uh, New York Knicks. I got to think about this real quick. New York Knicks, that's a new one. You want to go first? <laughs> hashtag gross. Hashtag gross? <laughs> hashtag why gross. It's the, the whole the way they um, – first off, they're not winning games. Bad organization. Um, but also, what made me so upset recently is how they dealt with the whole Charles Oakley situation. We'll get to that later, though. You got to do that. Okay, I'll, I'll do it later. That. So hold, hold, <laughs> that, hold that back. But I just don't like the way they're running stuff. I, I don't like paying attention to that organization. I think the Derrick Rose trade um, was a bad idea, and now they know that too, and they're trying to get mm -hmm. them out, but it's not going to happen. So. I have hashtag rock bottom. After the Oakley situation, which we'll go into later on, I think this is the lowest this program has been with Phil Jackson trying to lead the ship, not doing a good job. He doesn't I, even care. Anymore. I saw a funny, saw a funny tweet. There was like the trade deadline approaching the New York Knicks and Phil Jackson. He's like on a canopy sleeping. Yeah, he's just doing his thing. He doesn't even care. What do you got? Uh, hashtag no trade, no tank. There it is. Meaning um, they were looking to trade Derrick Rose, Melo, somebody from that organization. Clear the house. Or Joe Kim Noah. <laughs> and... They were looking to go into the tank process so they get that you know that top pick and rebuild. Now they since they made, didn't make any trades, they're staying right there in the middle, and that is the absolute worst place to be in yeah. NBA basketball. The worst place because they're go, they're good enough to win half of their games, the twenty left uh, games that they had this year. They're also good or bad enough to lose those games as well, half of those games as well. So they stay right there in the middle, which is the worst place to be in the NBA. All right, next one. We'll start with you again here, Matt. Hashtag Sacramento Kings, what do you got? Stupid. Ah! That's a big thing going on here right now. That's the only thing yes. I thought that was perfect for this moment. Ah! Stupid. Please edit that out. Yes, you will. Facebook Live, you get it all. Uncut version here on JME Podcast. Raw. Raw. Late night raw. This is like almost 10.30. What do you got? Uh, yeah, hashtag confused. I, mean, I, I think I think that goes with the organization and the fans and fans of basketball in general. Like I don't know. I described that trade earlier. Um, I flabbergasted. The hashtag flabbergasted. I'm gonna go with hashtag little brother. They are literally an hour north of Golden State. They are literally in the shadow of the greatest team possibly putting together on paper we've ever seen. Mm -hmm. They are trying to make moves to get up there because the only time they feel like they sell out is when Gold State comes into town. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's the problem. They're little brothers. It's, it's exactly Which how. Which is also a great uh, sales sales strategy thing. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in my opinion, they're, 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 they're desperate, really, really desperate, and they try to pull the, the, the move, and I think they thought too soon and uh, it backfired them. Moving forward, they did trade uh, Pokey Cousins. What do you guys got on the hashtag with that one, Jackson? 
Um, hashtag excited. I'm excited to see what they can do. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the New Orleans Pelicans uh, uh, whole organization. I think I don't I don't like the expansion team. I don't like the name. I really don't like anything about it. But I think I'm excited to see what those two can do. Anthony Davis and now Boogie Co- Boogie Cousins, two strong, athletic players who can play anywhere on the court. I mean. Uh, Anthony Davis can shoot the three ball, he can play down low, but he's not going to have to do the down low as much with Boogie Cousins. Defensively, they both are great. I think Boogie Cousins brings an attitude to this team, and I'm excited to see what they can do together. I don't think it's going to be anything great off the bat, but they're going to make the playoffs this year, see what they can do. I'm looking more towards next year. Hashtag finally. Yeah. The, if it was an emoji, I'll be signed right now. <laughs> um, pretty much... Uh, He's, he's finally relieved of his duty down up, up there in Sacramento. He's in a new atmosphere. He gets the bask in the glory uh, down in New Orleans, which is a great place to be in. I have never been. I'm planning on going very soon. I'm not sure when. Um, but New Orleans is, is going to be a vibrant city. Uh, it's going to be a vibrant place to play in. So finally, he's uh, let go of his duty up there in Sacramento. I, it's perfect. I see. I love what you said there. I'm going to lead off that. I'm going to go hashtag Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras. It's a party yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Just excited. He leaves a, a, a dark sinkhole up in Sacramento down in the East Coast. I guess kind of East Coast area. Uh, I guess you'd say the Gulf area. But Southeast. Anyway. The public sees that team way more than Sacramento. There's mm-hmm. no one staying up to 1 a.m. to watch the yeah, Sacramento exactly. Kings play. We'll exactly. stay up and see a great team now with the tandem of Anthony and himself. Moving forward, it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be a party down there for sure. Um, we'll go back out to the West Coast, though, with the L.A. Lakers. What's your hashtag Ooh. with Magic Johnson? Oh, that, can I use the same hashtag as I did before? Absolutely. <laughs> hashtag confused again. <laughs> What's up with that, uh, that front office? I mean... This is who you choose? Oh, man, they, they bring in veteran players, and they get rid of them. And then they think they're going to rebuild, trust the process, and then uh, and then they, I, I don't know. The, the whole coaching, the whole strategy there, they need to calm down. They've got a lot of money, got a lot of fans. This is the easiest place to rebuild a team. It's taken way too long. And making Magic Johnson a big part of that program again, that's just for the name. They already have the fans. Mm-hmm. Don't, I don't know. I don't understand that. Uh, my hashtag, not Showtime ready. Oh, okay. Um, pretty much is this was Magic's time. I know he just came in, but this was his time to make a splash and let everybody know that he's here. You know, he's here. He's ready to make moves and he's ready to win. And by not him, by not uh, having Paul George coming to the system, um, that just it's like, what are you doing? Are you waiting for the all season to get him so that way you don't have to trade your pick? That way you can get that top pick and then get Paul George as well? Maybe, but I feel like this was a time uh, right now to, to get that star player right now. You just said in the whole story right there, hashtag showtime for me. <laughs> it is going to be an unreal season next year. They're going to get a great draft pick moving forward. They're going to sign a giant name this offseason. I think they'll get Paul George. If Paul George, I read this earlier, if he if he is not if he's not a firm believer that the Pacers are playoff contenders, oh not playoff contenders, but title contenders next year, he's going to the he's Lakers. He's going to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. It's gonna, it's gonna, you want to go to the Lakers. I'm telling you right this right now. Next year it's gonna be a hot spot. The team's gonna be on fire. The West Coast can be back in basketball mm-hmm. with them and the Golden State Warriors yeah. uh, just up highway one. It's gonna be very interesting to see what's going on in that California area. Last one before we end the podcast. Hashtag with Charles Oakley, the New York Knicks. <laughs> you can start with him on this one. <laughs> Hashtag fight the power. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, he's at the Cavs game uh, with Dan Gilbert sitting next to Dan Gilbert. And the New York <laughs> Knicks, they lifted the ban on uh, Charles Oakley being, you know, not allowed in the arena ever again. A week and a half ban. What yeah, is that? I don't know. <laughs> it's like the Grayson it's, Allen one game. Yeah, one game. Exactly. One game indefinitely. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, uh, the fans love Charles Oakley, and it's a good reason. He 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 did his thing back back in the day, and watching that you know excursion with uh, back in the day in the garden, or excuse me, back in the, two weeks ago with Charles Oakley, uh, it felt like I was watching you know history that came around just now because he was he was a bruiser, he was a brawler back then, and it was it was fun seeing that that aspect coming to the garden today's game. Uh, so that's what I got. <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to do, this is uh, coming from Charles Oakley, hashtag bored. He's <laughs> bored with the New York Knicks uh, organization. He had to 
he had to scuff stuff up a little bit, getting a little bit of a tussle, you know. Now he's jumping on the bandwagon with the Cavs because they're exciting, you know. <laughs> that's what that's where that's where the fun is right now. Um, that's just a bad situation altogether. Charles Oakley did so much for that organization, and if you watched that fight, he went like that. He's just he's just a bigger dude, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're gonna like this. You're gonna like this one. Hashtag catch me outside. Catch me outside. You want to say that, that so bad? A hundred percent wanted to. It reminded me of Malice and the Pals with guys that aren't even playing anymore. Exactly. And it was like fans going at it, which is kind of funny. Uh, again, rock bottom for the Knicks moving forward. They're going nowhere. The Lakers are going to be a hot spot. We have got one more. What do you want to do? Darren Williams. Da- Darren Williams. What do you have? Hashtag playing for something now. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> That's fair enough. So he's been making all this money, stealing all this money from the league, from the teams that he's been playing for. <laughs> he's been let go by the Mavs. And my sources, I'm not going to disclose them. That's fine. Uh, but my sources say he's going to the Cavs, and he has <laughs> to finally play for something now. You know, He's not making a lot of money, uh, but he's a, he's a proven vet, and he can be that playmaker that LeBron wants. So it's going to be very exciting to see you know, what comes forward. Couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, as a Cavs fan, I'm tired of them bringing people on, but um, he, he's not going to be a starter. He's going to be he's going to be a good sixth man off the bench right there, and it's going to be exciting. Big name, big player. Well, it's now around 10.30 now. These guys have been here for a while. <laughs> We're going to end this podcast right now. Next week, we have one episode before spring break. Then we get back. We're going to have Max McDoolin on with all March Mass. He'll be on next week as well. Uh, this is the JV podcast. Check us out at seat at the t.com. Again, seat at the t.com. If you want to write, let us know. We'll gladly have you on. Big things moving forward with this podcast website joining up. We'll see you guys next week.